But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Watch and pray, be ready. But why? Why watch for Jesus' return? One of the slightly puzzling features of Jesus' whole farewell discourse, all these prophecies of the coming judgment, of course, seen at the cross, seen again at the destruction of Jerusalem, and finally seen on the last day, one of the puzzling features is that Jesus repeatedly exhorts his disciples to watch and to be ready for his return, but he doesn't ever really explicitly say why it is so important to watch. On at least two counts, of course, that's not really a problem for us. First, of course, Jesus is the master of heavens and earth, and now our risen Lord. And what he says matters to his disciples and matters to us. We're not really in a position to object or to debate his instruction, are we? If he says what we should watch for, at his coming, then we agree. We should watch, pay attention. But uh, Jesus does provide a sort of answer to the question why, and he does that more than once. We are to watch because the time of the age's consummation is not known to us. Over and over he says to us, keep watching, keep being ready, and keep praying. And it's all, again, I think, because we don't know when. Uh, but my experience has been that the genuine longing and expectation of the coming of Jesus isn't really all that well practiced or understood by traditional Christians. We kind of fail to watch and to be ready and to pray, and we spend a lot more time with kind of a truncated version of God's purposes for Christ in the world, focusing most of our intention and our heart about, and sometimes even exclusively, on the blessed rest. I'm but a stranger here, and heaven is my home. Which is all true, of course. That blessed rest that believers experience in the presence of Christ immediately after they die. It's good to look forward to that, but let's not skip over the genuine longing for and expectation of Christ's coming. The farewell discourse of Jesus repeatedly exhorts his disciples to watch for his return. And again, why? Well, what spiritual or theological reasons might there be for us to be faithfully and intentionally looking for his return in judgment? And this evening, I'd like to offer for you five potential reasons, all of which make some sense and, of course, makes sense together. The first is, of course, a word of warning. If Christians fail to look for the return of Christ, they could lose their faith and fall away from the Lord. It's as simple as that. That's a danger that's exhibited later on in the reading from Matthew 24, for instance. If Jesus is not coming to judge the living and the dead, or if I do not frame my life and all things with that understanding, then as he warns us, and as we heard, I think two Sundays ago, 
we open ourselves up to distractions and temptations because we're really not taking his word all that seriously. Between the advent of the new age of salvation when Christ first came and the final and full abolition of the old, we live in a time of testing, of spiritual danger. It's just a fact. And so failure to watch for Christ can come to deaden our awareness, cause us to lose our vigilance, open us up to dangerous temptation, and then we could fall and be found with the goats on his left or with the unwise virgins. So we watch and pray, and our prayer is specifically, preserve us from this, Heavenly Father. And maybe a second reason is that if Christians forget to look for the return of Christ, they can forget what we've been given to do now. The world and all things, our lives and all things in them, they, everything belongs to Christ. We've been entrusted with different sorts and amounts of this reality. What remains the same is that we are to work with them, to be faithful stewards of our lives, of this creation, even of our time, for the honor of our Lord. Watch, pray, and make ready. Third, if Christians forget to look for the return of Christ, we can think that the world doesn't really matter, that creation doesn't matter. Let me explain. Matthew's Gospel doesn't directly take up this issue, but it's really a real issue. When one's view of final salvation consists largely, if not exclusively, of dying and the soul going up to heaven to be with Christ forever, then what does that say about this life, this world, our bodies? Do they really even matter all that much? Of course they do. And that's why it's very misleading to speak and to pray, as is common, of the soul's state of rest with Christ as eternal or as happening forever. No, that's temporary until Christ comes again to judge the living and the dead, and all the dead are raised. This sort of language implies strongly that there's nothing more coming. Well, they're already in heaven, so what do we need to wait and watch and be ready for? Nothing more that the Lord has promised to do in and through us or in time. But of course, there is much, much more coming. <laughs> Christian tombstones maybe get it wrong then. They often just have rest and peace on them, requisat in pace, if you remember the Latin. <laughs> and that's fine as far as it goes. It's true, the cemetery is God's resting place, the resting place we've set apart for our dead until our Lord comes again. But maybe it doesn't go quite far enough. Maybe we've unintentionally forgotten to confess the resurrection of the body, Christ's coming in judgment. Maybe put on, the great, on your tombstone, make your plans now if you haven't already, rest in peace and will rise in glory. So there's your three reasons. Here's a fourth. If the hope of Christ's return fades in our hearts, if we forget to watch, pray, and be ready, we might get discouraged and decide to just pull back and find a way to survive. I will just wait it out until I die, play it safe, and so on. And the world can seem, and is, so dark in so many ways. And there's no end to our experience of selfishness and every manner of evil. 
But this is no answer. The right answer, of course, to the world's evil and the darkness surrounding us is again to watch, to pray, and to make ready. But if you try to go the other route and put your hope in a political party or agenda, you know you'll end up disappointed. They always let you down. Or maybe put your hope in some kind of program or geopolitical movement. You know, we're going to save the world from climate change. I'll spoil it for you. That movement will end in disappointment too. Good luck trying to wrestle creation into control. All of that is kind of a substitute hope for the true hope that we have in Christ that he promises he will come to raise the, the dead and to give to all who believe in him eternal life. And that's our hope. Our hope is in the Lord who made heaven and earth and who has promised that he will renew the sea and the sky and will raise all the dead. To ground ourselves logically and theologically in this hope. And so with the Apostle Paul, we can say, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, that's firm footing, immovable, not able to be knocked over, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is never in vain. So we have work to do now, to watch, to pray, and to be ready. Of course, with our watching, our praying, and making ready, we are also bearing witness to the world. But maybe the fifth and final point, and again, these all really tie together, what's, what, why will it be a blessing to look for the return of Jesus? Why is it a blessing for us to lift up our heads for our redemption is drawing near? Because it is in Jesus for whose return we long for. It's really what the season of Advent's all about. Our prayer is, come, Lord Jesus, from our sins, release us. Come quickly, Maranatha. Even though the Lord is with us here, in a quite real way, with his word, and his word attached to signs, there is also a very real sense in which he's not with us. We see him with our ears, but not with our eyes. He is not fully physically with us, without remainder or limit. He has gone away on a journey, as he says later on in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. Or, in other ways he talks about it, he is delayed. Think, the, again, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Yes, he's with us fully and completely in his supper, and he will visit and redeem us again tonight, as he has already, through the word of absolution. He's with us, though, by way of promise and through promised means. But promise requires faith. And so there is often still no sight. Again, we see by faith, not with our eyes, not with all the fullness of our bodily senses. That's what's to come, and that's the joy of heaven. As Jesus says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So even in the midst of all these dire warnings that we get in the season of Advent, the threatening judgment, the tumult of the seas, and the lightning of the skies, and earthquakes, and wars, and rumors of wars, even as he pretty directly um, 
commands us, I would say, to be vigilant in our watching and praying and making ready. Even in the midst of that, you heard that word of gospel promise. He promises that his gospel, the forgiveness of sins, that he has purchased and won for us through his shed blood and his resurrection, which is our justification, made, being made right with God, that message will go out before the day comes. And all the number who will be saved will hear and believe. I'm talking about you. And so the new day of his full presence is coming, and we look forward to it. And then it will be with, by sight. And so in the midst of our confident faith in his promise, we have a warning, but also an encouragement to watch, and to pray, and to make ready, looking always with joy for his return and the full presence among us and in this world that belongs to him and that will be restored as new heavens and new earth on the last day. Because Jesus has loved us, we love him. And we long for him to return. It's as simple as that. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.